welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 10, verses 34 to 42, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 10, verses 34 to 42. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies would be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This is the word of the Lord. In these verses, the great head of the church winds up his first charge to those who he sends forth to make known his gospel. He declares three great truths, which form a fitting conclusion to the whole discourse. In the first place, he bids us remember that his gospel will not cause peace and agreement wherever it comes. I didn't come to send peace but a sword. The object of his first coming on earth was not to set up a millennial kingdom in which all would be of one mind, but to bring in the gospel, which would lead to strifes and divisions. We have no right to be surprised if we see this continually fulfilled. We are not to think it strange if the gospel rends apart families and causes estrangement between the nearest relations. It is sure to do so in many cases because of the deep corruption of man's heart. So long as one man believes and another remains unbelieving, so long as one is resolved to keep his sins and another desirous to give them up, the result of the preaching of the gospel must be division. For this, the gospel is not to blame, but the heart of man. There is a deep truth in all this, which is constantly forgotten and overlooked. Many talk vaguely about unity and harmony and peace in the church of Christ as if they were things that ought always to expect and for the sake of which everything ought to be sacrificed. Such people would do well to remember the words of our Lord. No doubt, unity and peace are mighty blessings. We ought to seek them, pray for them, and give up everything in order to obtain them, except at the expense of truth and a good conscience. But it is an idle dream to suppose that the churches of Christ will enjoy much of unity and peace before the millennium comes. In the second place, 
Our Lord tells us that true Christians must make up their minds to trouble in this world. Whether we are ministers or hearers, whether we teach or are taught, it makes little difference. We must carry a cross. We must be content to lose even life itself for Christ's sake. We must submit to the loss of man's favor. We must endure hardships. We must deny ourselves in many things, or we shall never reach heaven at last. So long as the world, the devil, and our own hearts are what they are, these things must be so. We shall find it most useful to remember this lesson ourselves and to impress it upon others. Few things do more harm in religion as exaggerated expectations. People look for a degree of worldly comfort in Christ's service which they have no right to expect, and not finding what they are looking for, are tempted to give up religion in disgust. Happy is he who thoroughly understands that though Christianity holds out a crown at the end, it brings also a cross in the way. In the last place, our Lord cheers us by saying that the least service done to those who work in His cause is observed and rewarded of God. He that gives a believer so little as a cup of cold water to drink in the name of a disciple will in no way lose his reward. There is something very beautiful in this promise. It teaches us that the eyes of the great master are ever upon those who labor for him and try to do good. They seem perhaps to work on unnoticed and unregarded. The proceedings of preachers and missionaries and teachers and visitors of the poor may appear very trifling and insignificant compared to the movements of kings and parliaments, of armies and of statesmen. But they are not insignificant in the eyes of God. He takes notice who opposes his servants and who helps them. He observes who is kind to them, as Lydia was to Paul, and who throws difficulties in their way, as Diophrates did to John. All their daily experience is recorded as they labor on in his harvest. All is written down in the great book of his great remembrance and will be brought to light on the last day. The chief butler forgot Joseph when he was restored to his place, but the Lord Jesus never forgets any of his people. He will say to many who little expect it in the resurrection morning, I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. Matthew 25, verse 35. Let us ask ourselves, as we close the chapter, in what light we regard Christ's work and Christ's cause in the world? Are we helpers of it or hinderers? Do we in any way aid the Lord's prophets and righteous men? Do we assist his little ones? Do we impede his labors? Or do we cheer them on? These are serious questions. They do well and wisely who give the cup of cold water whenever they have opportunity. They do better still who work actively in the Lord's vineyard. May we all strive to leave the world a better world than it was when we were born. 
This is to have the mind of Christ. This is to find out the value of the lessons this wonderful chapter contains. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. May the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his 